0: Thank you, Chris, Aubrey, man, thank you guys. <clears throat> Do you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. Major family blow-ups, don't be nudging anybody. We had a good Thanksgiving. It's nice to uh, have a holiday, uh, took the week off, and, uh, the, you know, nothing fell apart and the world's still going, and It's good. Taking rest is important, especially when you take rest with intention, when you take rest with intention to be thankful and have a heart of gratitude for what God is doing and what he has done and what he will keep doing is really, really important, especially in this season. Uh, There are memes after memes and some are really hilarious and some are really sad because they're true. Uh, And I think it's important for us to be able to look at what God has been doing and not miss The fact that he is still at work. Did you know that? That God is still at work in our life. In spite of all the things that are going on, God is still at work in your life. He's still at work in the life of the church. He's still at work in the world. And his plan has not changed. And that's a really good news. His plan has not changed. I have this conversation with my kids a lot. You guys as parents, you guys have this conversation where your kids ask you to do something and you're like, no, no. And then they look at you like everybody else is doing it. Have you ever heard that? Dad, everybody does it. Uh, For me, it was the cell phone. If you've ever had a battle over cell phones in your house, I've had battles over cell phones in my house um, because I think they're going to be the death of us. But that's just me. And so she was like, But everybody, I'm the only one who doesn't have one of these phones. I'm the only one. You're really the only one on the whole earth? The only one out of like billions of people that everybody has it. Everybody does it. And it's funny as parents, because we look at our kids and we're like, are you serious? Because as adults, we're like, of course, we know that just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's right or the best. Right. And as kids, we're trying to teach our kids that just going with the flow with everybody else. You know, sometimes you just have to stand up against the flow. You have to go against the flow. And we teach our kids this over and over and over, don't we? Everybody doesn't do it. And just because everybody does it, well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? This is the things we tell our kids. It's great logic. It's the, the right things that we tell our kids. And then we get older and we get to be an adult and we forget that the same counsel we give our kids is the same counsel that we should live by too. And yet we struggle with it just like we were teenagers. We struggle with it. And the reason you know we struggle with it is because you see it all throughout the world. Man, when there's that that new book came out, there's a new book out. And you see pretty soon everybody's posting about the book. No, this is the way we should do it. This is how we should do it. And then the next week, somebody else publishes a book. Oh no, this is how we should do it. John, everybody's doing it. This is how you're supposed to do church now. If we followed every fad book that came out, we would be spinning in circles. Everybody does it, Johnny. Right, some progressive theology comes out and you're like, no, this is how it's supposed to go. No, we have to deconstruct our faith. What in the world? What are you talking about, deconstruct your faith? The whole point is to construct your faith around Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection. There's nowhere in here that tells you to deconstruct your faith. Everybody's doing it, Johnny. And we we do this. And it's not just books. And it's not just progressive theology. It's social ideology. There's all sorts of things that come up against us and to us that tell us we have to do it a certain way. And if we're not careful, we kind of get swept into the flow everybody's doing it is not just a teenage problem. Everybody's doing it is not something we tell our kids so that they stay away from the things that will harm them. It's, it's something that we should have to also be cautious of as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as sons and daughters of the most high God. This is something that we also have to be careful of because just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean it's right. Right? And that goes in all sorts of things. Why do you think we struggle with that? Do you ever wonder? Eleven AM wine parties while the kids are playing on the playground? Everybody's doing it. It's the new thing. And I'm not I'm not bad mouthing drinking wine or any of those things. I think drinking wine with your girlfriends at the park while your kids are playing is kind of weird. I'm not judging you specifically as a person. Like, you know, you might not be doing anything wrong. It's just just weird to me. But so so are people who are Pharisees in the church, who still exist. People who hold on to their religion in order to be right. There's a difference, right? Truth and foundation and God's word, and then there's religion in order to be right, to control other people. That's not acceptable either. I think that's weird. And we struggle to not have what everybody else has and to do what everybody else does because it means that we may have to, to, to be lonely for a bit, right? If everybody is going this way, but the right thing to do is go this way, you have a choice to make. Do I go, well, do I go with everybody else or do, do, I, do I stand for something that's right and true? I know that's right and true, but nobody else is over there. I used to play this game with our students, agree or disagree. I'm going to do it with the church at some point, because it's a wonderful way to start a conversation. But I would say something really, really like uh, controversial, uh, like abortion is a sin. We're not going to talk about it this morning. That's just what I would tell the students. And it was just a statement. Do you agree or disagree? And I would make them get up and move to the agree side or move to the disagree side. And then they'd have to, de- to defend what they believe. It was a way for us to converse in an adult, mature way to teach them how to have conversations without yelling at each other about things that matter. And inevitably, you'd get 50 students on one side and you'd get 12 students over here, right? I've had it where the entire room is on one side and I've had one student sitting on the other side. Very interesting. We have a choice to make in the world and we as adults struggle with this, with very important things so we're going to talk about it today because that's what the scripture is really about right this has been a problem with humanity since the fall God says to go this way and we all struggle to go our own way don't we Adam and Eve did it and everybody since no one's exempt from this I'm not exempt from this I struggle with this too well, do we go this way? Everybody seems to think this is right. I don't know. And the scripture we're going to talk about today is continuing the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter seven. And it is this specific scripture, it'll be verses 13 and 14, if you want to put your finger there, we'll read it in a second. This is one of the most disconcerting, in some sense, scariest verses for me in the Bible. It's one of the most disconcerting because it alludes to the fact that there are a lot of people, as described in the scriptures, who believe they are on the right way and they are not. There are a lot of people who speak the church language, they have great church attendance, and they know all the right doctrine and yet they are not saved. They are not actually Going to heaven. I'm not the person making the decision, so I'm off the hook, which is great news for everybody. I'm just telling you what it's going to say, and this is why it's so disconcerting for me. So let's get into it. Because if it's possible to know all the right ways to talk, you guys know this. Teenagers, this is like um, the younger generation, even in college, right? They grew up in church. They grew up in church, and so they know. They know if they're in a circle full of pastors or they're in a circle full of parents, they know how to make sure that you know, hey, you know that I know, right? Like, I know that you know that I know because I know the lingo. Oh, yeah, Pine Cove. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Pine. I know Pine Cove. Yeah, Pine Cove's great. Church, yeah, youth camp. You know, you start talking about youth camp. Oh, yeah, church worship. Yeah, hands up, sideways. It's all good. Sometimes down, open hands of the Lord. Like, we know how to talk about it right? Oh, you know, salvation. Oh, yeah, it's salvation. Salvation is about Jesus Christ died on the cross. Yo, no, he was buried for three days, and God raised him from the dead. Resurrection. We celebrate Easter. I'm at church on Easter. We know the lingo. We can talk about it. We even know the doctrine of the gospel. And yet, it's possible to know all of those things. And according to Jesus' sermon on the mount, not have eternal life. So for me, that's kind of scary. And this is gonna be one of the two ways that he talks about, there'll be two. Next week, we'll talk about the second one. Today, we're gonna talk about the first one. There's two pictures that he gives us to help us judge ourselves and judge others rightly, and it has nothing to do with our ideas or thoughts. It's very clear from the scripture what he's talking about. Today we're going to talk about the two gates and roads. There's two ways. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. It says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The ESV says it like this, and I want to use both just because uh, it's always nice to have more than one. It says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it Are few. Now I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have a lot of great resources, so I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of these Greek words, but I think they're really important for us to understand. In the first verse, enter by the narrow gate. The word narrow there is narrow. (laughs) It sounds it sounds like duh, right? But the second time he uses narrow, it's a different word in the Greek which is actually fairly fascinating. So hey, the narrow gate, right? The narrow gate. It's narrow. But the second time he uses narrow, he uses a word that is, it means troubled, hard-pressed. So we're gonna get there. The word enter is the same word that's used in John 10. Right, I am the gate, those who enter it. komai. That's exactly how you say it. I have no idea if it is. It means to enter, to go in, to happen, to come into, to move into, to begin, or begin to experience. Enter. Begin to experience the narrow gate. Begin to experience the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's interesting, gate. So a gate implies, if there's a gate here, you're on one side. It's like a portal. Like there's, you're entering into something. You're moving into something. You're beginning to experience something when you move through the gate. And so the way, the gate, the entrance into this other thing implies there's something on the other side. And of course, he's talking about heaven and hell, right? He's talking about eternal life versus eternal destruction, eternal separation from God. That is what he is talking about. It's not up for grabs. It's not up for debate. It is the thing he's speaking of. So he's talking about the way to destruction, and we'll get there too, because the word for destruction is interesting, and the way to life. There is a way, and you can't have, there's not two gates that lead to both. There's a way, an entrance into life, there is an entrance into destruction to eternal separation from God. And he's speaking about these things very plainly. And the reason that he is speaking about it because we as people want to believe that we can have eternal life with God and still live in our sin and feel good and comfortable and easy. This is why this is not an easy truth. This struck me the wrong way before I was a believer because I didn't want to believe that I, my way was the wrong way, right? And unfortunately, Jesus is speaking to people who believe that their way was the right way. The Pharisees were like, we're righteous, everybody else is sinful, and that's it. And Jesus is saying, look, your righteousness doesn't matter because it's only by the righteousness of Christ that you get in anyway." And he was speaking to the Pharisees. And unfortunately, we all share the sentiment in some form or fashion. So let's get into it a little bit. Entered by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. The road, the Greek there is hodos. It can be translated the journey. The journey, not just something you walk on, but a journal that you're entering into, you're moving into experience, a journey through this broad, this wide gate. A wide gate is not hard to get into. You and 15 of your buddies can fit through the gate at the same time. Oh yeah, it's the, the, the lock is nice and oiled, right? Super easy, it's one of those automatic, you walk up and you wave your hand and the gate opens and 15 all at the same time, let's go. Oh, look, and the road is nice, it's big and wide, there's lots of room. I don't have to try to get around, I can drive in the middle lane. Right, I don't have to like tailgate because there's plenty of space. Even though there's lots of people, it's lots of. I'm on the autobahn. I can drive as fast as I want. There's lots of room. This is great. The idea is that this journey, this way, the wide gate that looks great. It's easy, right? There's. Uh, it implies the popular. The broad road is the easy, the popular, the with the flow life. And you might be wondering, my life's really easy. I seem to be pretty popular. I don't have a lot of conflict. Now, I'm not trying to imply that if you have an easy, comfortable, no-conflict life that you're not saved. I don't know your heart. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. And it says that that broad road, it leads to destruction. The Greek for destruction is apoleia. It means death. It can also be translated a waste. So if we read it again, this scripture, the broad, the easy popular with the flow life or journey leads to death and results in a wasted life, a wasted journey all the effort that we put into an ease of life, all the effort we put into being comfortable, all the effort we put into being popular and liked so that nobody, so we don't ruffle anybody's feathers and so that our feathers don't get ruffled. God forbid that anybody be offended in this life. That way leads to a wasted, meaningless life. It leads to death, is what the scripture says. Jesus is saying, look, Pharisees let's go back to the context Pharisees you guys live in a very boxed in controlled easy life you know all the rules you follow the rules you're good with God end of story and as long as you follow all the rules the right way you're going to be fine but Jesus says look it, you're the popular you're the top you're easy it's comfortable that's not actually the way to life your right righteous way isn't the way And I think in reality some of us we want the broad road to be right because our comfort matters to us more on this earth than the reward of eternal life. Our comfort, our ability to have Jesus and our baggage matters more to us than having to deal with the hard truth that full surrender full surrender a complete submission to God through the cross is what it takes to live the life God wants us to live because what did Adam and Eve want? oh yeah we have a relationship with God they walked in the garden they walked in the garden with God himself and they had an intimate relationship with the heavenly father and it was good and then God said Go this way. This is how you do it to stay in this relationship with me. Just don't do this thing. And they said, oh, well, we could probably have a relationship with God even if we eat the apple. Right? And they they, they couldn't. And the way that they took was the broad road out of the garden and into a wasted death because that's what God said would happen. You will surely die. And then there's... Super bleak picture, right? <laughs> you look at the picture of the broad road. The broad road. And then there's this other picture, he says, but there's another way, Jesus says. There's another way, and it's not easy, in fact. Remember that word enter, to move into, to experience. Zoe is life. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. That leads to life. It can be translated to be alive, and it implies eternal life, and not just eternal life, but life now. Life now. Life that is free, life that is healed, life that is blessed, not with stuff, but with the presence of God. Life now. And this, that, the way to get there is much more difficult. It's narrow. In fact, the Greek here for narrow, remember the, the first time the word narrow is used, enter through the narrow gate. It's that narrow, real slender, small gate. It's the, it's the gate that is like, are you serious? I can't fit through that gate. You ever been through a gate, you're trying to get through something and you just can't fit? You're like, there's no way to get through there. right? And you're like, suck it up. <laughs> That's the word narrow at the beginning. The second word, Right? But narrow is the gate. The portal to eternal life, the thing on the other side is eternal life. When you step through that narrow gate, that word narrow the second time actually means troubled. Phlebo, T H L I B O. I did not, it was not a lisp, it was Phlebo, that's what it says. Afflict, oppressed, troubled, to press against, to crowd against. And some examples everywhere uh, in in other scriptures are that we are distressed. It's the same word. We are hard-pressed, harassed, persecuted, troubles. In John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, Jesus, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have the narrow Life but take heart, I have overcome the world. So this idea that Jesus is saying, the easy, popular, goeth the flow life is not the way you're looking for. In fact, I'm not on that road. He says, if you're gonna follow me, if you would come after me, you need to enter through the narrow gate. You need to move into an eternal life experience. And he says that I am that gate. One of the most offensive scriptures before I was a Christian was the one that Jesus told Thomas. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because Thomas was like, we don't know how to get there, where you're going. And he says, I'll tell you how I'm going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus in John 10 gives a picture of him being the gate. I am the gate. So when we're talking, when he says Enter through the narrow gate. He is saying, Enter through me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. In fact, there is no other way to go to eternal life but through Jesus. Getting through to the other side, everlasting life is through Jesus. It's not through Jesus plus anything, it's not Jesus plus the latest fad. It's not Jesus plus the latest theology. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus communion. It's not Jesus plus church attendance. It's not Jesus plus affluence. It's Jesus only that is the narrow way. Otherwise, it would be a broad road. You could get in any way you want to. And he says, along that road, it's going to be hard. He says it in the scriptures but small is the gate and narrow, distressing. You'll be hard-pressed. You may be harassed and persecuted and you will be troubled, but that road leads to life and only a few find it. Let's talk about when you go through the wide gate, you are walking in selfishness and brokenness. The wide road may be comfortable and easy, but what it will be about Self and self alone. Your ability to take care of yourself. Self-sufficiency, and we love our self-sufficiency, don't we? And self-promoting instead of Jesus promoting. But what you're walking into when you come into through the narrow gate, you walk into everlasting life, love, unconditional, grace in abundance. Now it's hard, and you'd be persecuted even, but there's kindness that leads to repentance, patience, goodness, self-control, no record of wrongs, no record of wrongs. Do we live in a life that is that doesn't keep a record of wrongs? Man, I'll tell you what. I Nope, I won't be that transparent. I've never lived in a time in my 43 years of life where every word, action, or thought has been on record more than right now. Everybody's keeping a record of your wrongs. That's not, that is not the narrow way. And it makes us wonder, what road are we on? As believers, what road are we on? Now, it doesn't mean you should look for hardship or trouble. As we obey God, trouble and hardship will find you. Because as everybody goes this way, no, no, anyway, you can get to God lots of ways. No, I only believe there's one way it's in Jesus. No, you're supposed to hate those people. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 you have to vote this way. You need to think like this. It's not what Jesus said. The narrow way means you might be alone. The narrow way means you might not have the same friendships that you used to have. The narrow way means that less people might come to your church. But the narrow way, the hard-pressed, persecuted, Christ-honoring, God-elevating, world-loving way is found in Jesus only. And just because you have a lot of space to do what you want and liberty to carry your sin along with you as you go, as you go to church and do your life and feel good about yourself, doesn't mean it's the right way. And in the end, your reward on this earth, as we learned in the beginning, chapter five, your reward on this earth is all you're gonna get. Go back and look. It's an upside down kingdom that we live in. You don't have to look for trouble because trouble will find you. I want, us to ask, I want you to ask yourself a question. We're almost done. Here's the test. Did your profession of faith cost you anything? Now, my, my story uh, as an atheist is very dramatic and I was living in sin and it, did, it literally cost me everything, not just to profess my faith, but to live my faith. And it doesn't mean that your testimony has to be like mine to be authentic. You don't have to be an atheist or a drug addict in order to come into the kingdom and have a real conversion. That's not what I'm saying. But did it cost you anything? It may have cost you your pride. It may have cost your friendships. And it's not just that it would cost you at the front end, but our life as a Christian will cost us something. Jesus says you will be persecuted. In fact, the world will hate you on account of me. It might cost you friendships. It might cost you promotions. It might cost you a paycheck. It might cost you butts and seats. It might cost you whatever. Along the way, it will cost us to take the narrow way. Did your profession of faith cost you anything? It's impossible to walk on two roads at the same time going in two different directions. There are things that have to be decided along the way. That cost us. Look back at the whole Sermon on the Mount. I don't have time to go through it. Go through the whole Sermon on the Mount. All the decisions Jesus says, you've said it was like this, broad road, but I'm saying the kingdom of God is like this, narrow road. If you're going to walk the narrow, you have to, it's going to cost you this over and over and over again when we all go look through all these things. Do unto others, you'd have them do unto you like talk last week, that cost you something. It costs you being right. And when you look around, does your life resemble more of the world or more like Jesus' life? Those who followed him. Go look at Hebrews 11. I don't have time to go through it. I wanted to read Hebrews 11. Go read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. It says, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, they did all these things. Their life, the narrow way that they chose, cost them. And it was hard. They were persecuted They were hard-pressed. The narrow way means that when someone strips me of my rights as a human, now hear me, listen to all of it before you make a judgment about what I'm saying. When someone strips me of my rights as a human being, When someone strips me of my maleness or you of your femininity or all of the things being an American we love we love to hold on to our American rights good gosh when somebody takes away your American rights can you still walk on the narrow way we've given up every right to ourselves and we come to Christ when you squeeze through that narrow gate what you're saying is this i deny myself All of me, I deny myself in order to glorify God and elevate Jesus Christ above everything else. My only right is to surrender at the foot of the cross because in him, I have everything that I need. In Jesus, I have everything that I need. When you can't give me what I need, Jesus can. And when I can't give you what you need, Jesus can. And when the system fails as it does, and when people fail as they do, the narrow way is the only road that will keep you walking to eternal life. Because on that road, we have in Christ everything. Now hear me. It doesn't mean it's right on this earth when people take away the rights of another as human being. When a woman is oppressed... When a group of people are oppressed, oppression isn't acceptable to God, to be clear. But the narrow way means that we can function well, that we can thrive on earth now with true life, not because of a system or a group of people or because sinful people are going to do their thing, but because we have Jesus Christ as our Lord. That's how the narrow way works. Jesus speaks of another door. And it's not a door that we walk through, but a door he wants to walk through. Revelation 3 says this, to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. This is where he says, you're neither hot nor cold, I wish you'd pick one. And if you stay lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth, he says, to the church in Laodicea. To those I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking on this door right here, he says. I'm here at the door, I want in. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And this is the gospel, is it not? He's saying, listen, there is a way to eternal life. It is through Christ and Christ alone. And it's not just that you have to find that small little door and figure out how to get through it. He's there. He says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Not only am I here, but I'm knocking on your door. And if you just open the door, if you just open the door, I'll come in and we can have this union and we can walk this road together. Because Jesus never asked you to go on the road alone. Jesus isn't asking you, hey, you need to find that narrow way and I'll be there at the end of the road when you get there, that end of that journey. No, he says, I'm gonna walk that journey with you and you and I will walk to eternal life together. Finish with this. This is my uh, favorite poem of all time and a reminder for me. I hope it'll be a reminder for you. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. I'm sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where I bent in the undergrowth. Then look, took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay and leaves no step had trod in black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how Way leads on to way. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wooden eye. I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. The narrow way will make all the difference. A life of ease and comfort and popularity will give you all you want now. But the hard Christ-filled journey through the narrow gate will give you everything you need forever. And that is only found in Jesus. Church, let's be a church that, is, uh, that we're narrow walkers, where we stand at that, that path, and we say, you know, this seems like there's been a lot of people here, and I'm sure that's a real lovely way to go. But this is the right way to go. And though it's not tread well, There hasn't been a lot of people here. I know that at the end of this way is eternal life, and that's the way I want. Stop worrying about our comfort as much as we start worrying about the true gospel that gives life and walk that road. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, um, I pray, Lord, that if there have been any words that were not of you, they'd fall away and that they wouldn't be remembered. But God, that your scripture, your word would sink deep in our hearts. And it will cause us to live differently. Not because of our effort, but because of your power at work in us. Help us walk the narrow road, Lord. I'm gonna ask at this time, uh, we're gonna end like we always do with prayer. Please don't take this as a trite, simplistic opportunity for prayer. But if you have need, if you feel like you've been on the broad road and you just need to offload a few things to the Lord, this would be a great time to do it. If you feel Jesus knocking at your door, this is a great time to ask him to come in. And if you just need someone to pray for you, a brother, sister, come on. Those of you who are able, who are uh, part of the prayer team, if you come forward as we sing together, everybody else, you can stand to your feet.